0: Welcome to Let's Talk Color. I'm Amy Wolf, Principal Designer at Amy Wolf Color and Design. And I'm Amy Crane, Founding Designer at
1: Amy Crane Color. We're both professional color experts who specialize in architectural color. We met while training, and years later, the conversation is still going strong.
0: We both live our lives immersed in color and design. We often agree, but sometimes we don't because color is personal. Color truths, however, are universal. In each episode, we'll unravel the mystery of choosing
1: color for your home or business, both inside and out.
0: Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Paint Color. Holidays are right around the corner, but before you know it, Exterior painting season will be upon us. Feels like it just ended a couple weeks ago with a long, warm season here in New England. Those of you who are thinking about painting next year, next summer, probably should be thinking about lining up your painter now and also thinking about exterior colors. So we've talked about exterior colors in a previous episode but this time we're gonna get a little more granular and talk about particular architectural styles and we're gonna break it down and, and talk about historic color, classic color, trendy color, and what it means to you in terms of your exterior. So tell us tell us what you brought today, Amy.
1: Originally paints were all made from natural pigments found in the earth. And that's one important reason why color was to some degree regional. Even if people were using the same minerals to create the paint, it, it was different from region to region a little bit, so you'd get variations on the same colors. So originally there were just a few different minerals that were ground down into a powder and then mixed with a substance to put on the house. Usually it was linseed oil, but it also could be lime or even milk to make a milk paint. So. The earliest colonial people actually didn't paint their houses. Back in the earliest uh, 1600s and early 1700s, they did not paint their houses. The pigments weren't available. It was all very expensive. And so the wood was exposed wood and it turned brown. And of course, you know, if you don't seal wood, it it lasts less long. Then when some sort of paint came onto the scene and people would paint The trim on their house only, leaving the siding as the natural wood. In 1866, a company we've all heard of, Sherwin-Williams, was the first company to manufacture paint, um, which then could be disseminated to people. Of course, chemically, it wasn't made from the same materials that it is now. Um, Synthetics came onto the scene later than that. So the t- the tints came from about eight core colors sourced from iron oxide or copper. The copper would give you the blues and the greens, like verdigris green. Um, I know I have a guest bedroom that's uh, a Faro and Ball color called arsenic, which is a verdigris green. It's quite a bright color. But you got colors like brown and burnt orange, red, tan, and, and like a chrome yellow. And then in 1724, a color called Prussian blue came on the scene. And um, in fact, George Washington painted an interior room in his house that blue, and it is very bright blue. And, And speaking of very bright colors, we should get it out of our head that that colors of your were muted you know what we consider tasteful now because they weren't they were very very bright i took my dog to a vet near you and i had to wait for the dog and you said i said what can i do around here and you said go to the historic deerfield and take a look at those houses and i was so pleasantly surprised it was an amazing experience why don't you tell everybody what the houses look like in historic deerfield
0: yeah, they're beautiful, the be- the, you know, and most of them are, most of them fall into that kind of historic, muted, what we've sort of come to think of as historic colors. Uh, there is one house on the main street called the Wells Thorn House that sort of dispels the myth that all historic colors were muted, um, uh, and the Wells Thorn House was painted basically a robin's egg blue. I think that's Prussian blue. Okay, it, that would that would make sense. But that paint was put up in 1803. I remember the first time I saw it and I felt like, oh my God, somebody came into historic Deerfield and did something radical and how did that get approved? But it turns out that that color was original to 1803. That's over 200 years ago. I mean, it's wild. It was put on the house by an attorney, a young attorney who'd moved to Deerfield and he wanted to bring attention to his practice and to his offices. And so it was, I don't know, I like to think of it as an early form of uh, branding story. <laughs> color brand color and 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 great great
1: marketing they use bright colors i mean the house in maine that i helped uh, decorate the uh the new owner uh didn't want to repaint the outside right now but she didn't she really didn't love it i mean she calls it the maine marigold house and she said to me when we started how could they have done this i mean here we are in in maine all these historical houses this is a big colonial it's painted this crazy orange color and i and i said, client. Uh, it's actually historic. They had orange paint there. They had like deep reds. They had orange. They had chrome yellow. They had this Prussian blue paint colors. Not all of them, but many of them were bright from these different uh, minerals that were
0: that were used then. Years ago, when Benjamin Moore introduced their Williamsburg collection, um, I sat with my architectural rep uh, from Ben Moore and. And I said, what is, tell me about the connection between the Williamsburg colors and the historic color collection, the HCs. You know, the HCs have been around forever. I mean, as long as I've been involved in paint and probably longer. And I think that's kind of the palette that we've internalized as being historic. They're very muted, they're restrained, you know, lots of grayed down kinds of earthy colors. And what what my rep said to me, which I thought was interesting, was that those are sort of the colors after they've faded. Those are the colors uh, years after the paints have been put on the house. Whereas the Williamsburg collection, which is full of much brighter colors, uh, colors that um, were, you know, archivally researched in Williamsburg with these, you know, kind of color archaeology people chipping through layers of paint to discover what was originally on these houses— that the Williamsburg collection and all those brights, which is you know my very favorite palette, my ride or die palette, Van uh, deck, those would have been the original colors. And so what they were doing with that collection is taking a step back further in time Um to the gamboges and Paragreen. green, yeah, mayo teal. These are bright colors. I love mayo teal. Oh Me my too. god, I love mayo teal. Good door I'm color. I was going to say, I just put it on doors. I haven't been bold enough to put it onto a whole house yet. But, you know, if you're out there and you want a Mayo Teal house, come at it. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I think, Amy, you made a really great
1: distinction in the beginning, which I want um, our listeners to understand. Um, That, you know, in our minds, there are the historically correct colors, what really was. There are the classic colors, which is what we've grown to believe was and then there's what's new and trendy. And I, I guess a really good question is whether some architectural styles lend themselves to more creative expression than others. Like, would you would you choose to put an unusual color more so on a on a mid century modern than you would on a colonial, or, or would you not? Is there something about the architecture and something about the history? Of that architecture that makes people embrace something different more readily than they would. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure of the answer of that. Maybe it's a, the answer is very particular to the style. So why don't we uh, why don't we why don't we start with colonial, which you know happened when the folks first uh, first got here,
0: and led up until the Georgian period. I mean, I th- I think that that Wells Thorn House in Deerfield is a really good example of what we internalize. And I, I you know, when I'm doing a consult, one of my rules is first honor the architecture. Sure. Always we honor the architecture. We can't be doing weird stuff. Uh, th- that's my opinion. And and of course uh, that's that's a rule. Rules are made to be broken. But it's a place to start. It's a baseline for me. And so, when we go into historic Deerfield and we're driving along and we see all these houses that are what, on a very deep level, we consider appropriate. Yes. You know, which are w- traditionally accepted color palettes. And then we come across the Wells Thorn House, which is Robin's Egg Blue, which intellectually we can say we know is correct, but it still jolts us it still feels weird and makes us go and kind of grinds the gears. So I think when I'm doing color, yes, we can break rules or bend rules, but I think we have to start with color that on a deep level feels right so that we don't do that jolt thing. I don't don't know. I don't want to create color palettes on houses that jolt people.
1: Agreed. Agreed. You know, we, we shouldn't, again, living in New England or Northern Atlantic States where I am, I don't think we, we should neglect mentioning the Shakers also. And I, I bring that up because um, somewhat near me um, in Pittsfield, Mass., is Hancock Shaker Village. And um, it's so fabulous. You have to go there because the simplicity of the Shaker architecture is so, so wonderful. And you could walk around this complex, the round barn, um, communal buildings where they lived, and then individual buildings where they worked, you know, the Cooper's house and the blacksmith's house and all of that. And again, the lines are so simple and clean and unornamented. Um, and everything from the furniture and their implements to the buildings themselves are so beautiful in my mind's eye. But what's really shocking, I take a picture every time I drive by. Here are the Shaker colors, the exterior shaker colors. and this is researched and historical. It's a deep red like a barn red. It's a slate gray blue. It is a bright chromy yellow. And my favorite, what they called salmon, it's a yellowy pink, and it is really yellowy pink on this big, big house. It's fantastic. So again, going—I know shaker whole shaker thing started in the seventeen forties, I think, in England. I'm not sure when they got here, but I mean, whether it was the seventeen hundreds or the early eighteen hundreds. Again, we're going back to about colonial times and a little bit later, and uh, there they were building there they were painting buildings, some really bright colors. So again, uh, just reinforcing what you said, Amy, um, just because it's old doesn't mean it's muted, doesn't mean it's grayed down, doesn't mean it's brown, doesn't mean it's taupe and earth colors. There was a wide range of of
0: colors used then. And, And I would say conversely, just because it's historically correct doesn't mean it's necessarily something we have to adhere to. Or something that's necessarily going to fit into a neighborhood in a comfortable way. Right. Um, I mean, can you imagine any HOA today approving that Hancock Shaker Village color palette (laughs) for a planned community? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Anyway. No. What's important to think about is like, how do we walk that line in between those two extremes, you know? Stuff that's, like, super, super muted and stuff that's Robin's egg or chrome yellow or verdigris, and, and, you know, find a palette that feels right, feels appropriate, is just enough but not too much. I always talk about, you know, getting to the edge and then taking a micro step back. So the question is, you know, where is that edge? I mean, I think, the, you know, another really amazing example of, of that kind of stuff, I think of Litchfield, Connecticut, where when you drive the green or walk the green in Litchfield, um, every single house is white. It's just white. And somehow to think of Robin's egg blue or any of the colors that you see in Deerfield, I guess those houses are from a slightly later era. But there were, you know, there were, there were a few styles that white was white was part
1: of it. I just want to mention one thing before we go into styles um, a conversation i have often with clients now dependent on their style of house you know i wouldn't i wouldn't say this to Uh, uh, a raised ranch or necessarily some other style houses. But I do say to people, I say this for interiors as well. um, Do you want to call out the trim and give it a contrasting color? Or do you want the trim to match the house, which is both historical and modern? Because if we go back to Georgian houses, 1700 to 1780-ish, they were using white and off-white, sandy colors as a trim, a contrasting trim. But in the next period, the federal period of 1780 to 1840, only the doors and shutters contrasted. The trim matched. So we're going all the way back to 1780 to 1840, and there's your historical um, there's your historical reference for what is trending now, which is matching the the trim color to the body color. I personally love it on some styles of houses. I love it on Colonials. I just I think it's great, and some others as well. It's very serene, and you know, you get your little. Um, Amy, what what's the word we're using? That's not pop. <laughs> You get you get your little punch or a lift. I like to say lift. It gives you a lift. You get your little punch of color from the door color. If you one one thing I think we mentioned possibly in our first episode we did on exteriors. If not, here I am now. Uh, you know, Zillow does their, every year or two years, they do their review of interior and exterior house colors or room colors, and what would garner you more or less money in the sale of your house using these colors. And the last time they did, it was just a couple of years ago. And uh, you got six grand more for your house if your front door was black, which is really kind of surprising. I mean, I think it's really stately and elegant, but, uh, you know, I would only use it on some houses and, and some houses, depending on the body color of the house. So um, that, was, that
0: was very interesting. I mean, I do think that, you know, when you think about packaging and branding color, um, that, you know, black and white and certainly gold have a, a certain cachet as being luxury, you know, so I can imagine a White House with a glossy black door and a brass, gorgeous, real black, brass door knocker. They kind of embody that luxury look. Luxury, cla- classic, yeah, yeah. That's something. I mean, I don't know. I think that Zillow stuff is a little bit of hooey, but it's 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 good clickbait. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think it is clickbait, but I th- I think it's actual research,
0: so it's it's kind of fascinating. So why don't, we, why don't we dive in? Well, let's dive in and, and actually start to, to pull apart. I mean, I think we've talked about the colonial.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, y- you had your brighter colors in the Georgian, yellow, brown, white, red, orange, Prussian blue. Federal got creamier, like cream, soft yellow, peach, grays, and whites. Greek revival, this is interesting. White with dark green shutters. And their windows, the sashes and the grills were dark green or black. And look how that's come back with our um, modern farmhouse. The whole idea of the window disappearing, because all the components of the window were dark. It's yeah. not brand new, folks. It happened in the early 1800s with Greek revivals. Right. Here's here's a style here's a style to talk about because um, I want to get your take on it Dutch revival or Dutch gambrel. By the way, those kind of gambrel, um, that gambrel shape that we have here is not exactly what's in Holland, but we call it Dutch gambrel. I always I've done quite a number of them, and I feel I don't know if there's a classic coloration for it. I, I had clients who wanted white with dark, very dark gray shutters, so that's what we did. And I can envision in my house ha- in my head older Gambrels being white white colors, but I also can tans mid-toned colors and even not, not dark like black, but mid mid to dark like um Dark, darker grays and gray blues and those kind of colors. I don't really think of a standard color for a Dutch Gambrel, a Dutch Revival. What do you think about that?
0: You know, it's funny. When I was looking for houses um, in Florida back in 2002, one of the houses we seriously considered was a Dutch Gambrel, and it was yellow. It was a pale yellow. Yep. And, and I think that house always stuck with me. Um, it felt so right to me in ways. Um, this was before I got myself into the color business, but it's it sort of remained a baseline. There was just something about that house and that yellow that felt appropriate um, for me. I agree with white, but I also kind of feel like it's sort of a missed opportunity. There's something charming to me about a gambrel roof, um, and and something kind of cottagey and charming yes that to me I, it wants a color yeah <laughs> it doesn't I, just want to be white <laughs> I agree with you I agree with you
1: I think that there are some Dutch Grembrell houses that have not not a direct ripoff of arts and crafts, but it's got a little bit of a cottagey feel to it. And that for me, it lends itself to color as well. I mean, not that the house I did white with gray wasn't really handsome. It was handsome. Um, But uh, I agree with you. It's it's a missed opportunity.
0: So for me, I think not white. Um, I did have some clients come to me with a Dutch gambrel and they wanted they wanted to do dark They were really after the dark gray kind of modern look, and we went through a whole series of possibilities. And they happily landed on a soft gray, which I thought was really pretty. So I I kind of feel like in the vein of yellow, you know, pale yellow, pale gray, I think to me a Dutch, Gabriel wants to be a paler color. I think one of the tricks with these houses is that you have to deal with the roof, because there's usually so much roof that's visible. Um, and I think that is probably the biggest reason for me why I wouldn't do white. Because you're dealing with so much roof that I want to create a little more balance and a little more interest in the house itself. And I also think that the lines, the roof lines, are what make the house special and attractive. Yes. And so we want to call them out. Um and so, for me, a color with a little bit of a white trim to call out the lines of the house are really what bring out its special style. And I just got pictures of it recently, and it's it's really beautiful. I'm I'm really happy about it. So anyway, they they did good. I think light
1: I think light is nice, but I would go to mid tone as well. I think mid tone can you know hold up to a nicely to a medium medium gray or light gray roof. Amy, I I agree with you. You know, we will and have already started talking about this trend of many-year trend now of dark, dark houses. I don't see it on a Dutch Grand
0: Totally agree. I think the dark with, with the prominent roof, it's just feels overbearing to me. Yeah. Yeah. So. So craftsmen
1: or arts and crafts, it's so lovely. Those houses are really about earth tones to me. So. Tan, greens, rust, brown, taupe—it's synonymous to me. I mean uh, they—they have very—they have lovely shapes. Uh, Their trim is very important. That is definitely a style of house. I would have a different trim color on. Um, might even be a style of house that has an accent color as well besides the body color. But I think of them all being midtone not super dark, not white, not off-white, but all of them staying together in that sort of mid-tone range. Um, I love them. I love craftsmen and arts and crafts houses.
0: I mean, I think that era, both for interiors and exteriors, um, for the decorative arts, whether it's fabric or wallpaper, stained glass, any of that was so connected to nature. There's so many flora and fauna patterns that were inherent to that design uh, era, that I think it just carries through to the color palette, that it's a very nature-driven color palette. Um, so I think that's where that comes from.
1: For sure. And I, I would put bungalow and cottage styles. Uh, they're not the same style houses as craftsmens and arts and crafts, but I would include that also in your sort of organic colors colors from nature, that kind of thing. And, you know, also, um, the prairie style, you know, we think of Frank Lloyd Wright, you know, 1900 to 1915 or 1920, very horizontal house, awful, often lots of brick, but again, in those earth tones.
0: Um, yep. I think brick, wood, slate, natural wools on the interiors, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of embellishment color-wise.
1: Right so, right
0: and then, and then Tudor, we were just talking about Tudor we
1: offline were. before we started. <laughs> um, in my mind, this is not a place to be adventurous. This is just me. I mean, there's a range of classic, kind of not stark white but off white tan bone, creamy, but not yellow creamy, so maybe I shouldn't say creamy for the stucco for the body of it, and then the wooden uh the wooden. Trim would be dark, you know, classic is dark brown. Maybe a brownie black. I, for me, would not put navy blue on that trim. Would not put, don't think I'd put forest green on that trim. Maybe a green black, so dark you can't tell which it is. I would, it's such a definitive style of house. I would stay classic and historical with that. How about you?
0: So I I think the, the whole thing starts, for me, with the stucco itself, which originally would not have been painted. It might have been tinted, you know, in the stucco. Pigment actually added to the stucco. But for the most part, I think those, those looks in their most original state derived from the natural material, just as a stucco Mediterranean or a stucco Pueblo. uh, Yeah. Spanish Pueblo. Yeah. I was Pueblo. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I was going to say like New Mexico style, but you're right. It's Pueblo. So uh, to me, those, that color palette begins and probably should end (laughs) with the natural tones that are derived from the Mm -hmm. stucco itself. So I agree. I think getting, getting creative with these kinds of houses whether it's Tudor or Spanish med, I just wouldn't, like, I wouldn't go there. You can push the envelope a tiny bit, but not too much. It starts to feel wrong if it doesn't work well with the natural material of the stucco. So I agree with you. Really deep, dark earth tones. I think I would stay all warm. I I don't think I would ever go cool. I wouldn't go a cool black. I'd stick with a warm brown black, you know, for a Tudor. Um... You know, like, maybe, yeah, let's go with something brighter on the door, but, and and same with the Spanish uh, Mediterranean house.
1: You know, Amy, I I can picture myself being on some kind of boat going down the intercoastal in Florida, east side, uh, and with all of these um, Mediterranean, Spanish Revival Mediterranean's, and though the majority of them are in the warmer colors, beige, cream, um, you know, clay, pinky roses, every now and then I'd see a light blue. And I'd think, no.
0: Oh, right. No, right. no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I with, agree with, with you. With with a terracotta barrel tile roof and light blue? Willa!
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. But, you know, yeah. I mean, but sometimes when you say maybe you can veer a little bit, I agree with you because I've seen um golds, which... Look fine, yes, and 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 even roses, yes, um, you know, yes. some kind of dusty
0: pink that, that look fine too. It's all in that family, and and it's all about restraint. It's about you know finding the edge, but again, rose and gold are both still derived from the natural material. They're just pushing the envelope a little bit. You know, blue is from another planet, in my opinion. Let's talk about mid-century modern.
1: Um, you know, I, uh, and and whether that's one area that trendy has taken over and so we now see different colorations of it because i think when they started uh they were somewhat monochromatic uh they were neutral maybe it would have a little bit of vertical wood siding mixed with mixed materials on the outside that might have included wood or even some even some stone and so i think when they started they were tans and Greys and maybe earthy greens and stuff like that. I, I think people do all different things with mid century modern now, including black. I have seen a lot of people go for the black the, the, and the dark gray on them, and and if it has contrasting materials like um, you know, a, mi- a mid tone wood stained siding around the vestibule, or, you know, they're very asymmetrical houses. So I've seen a lot of mix of materials on them. But this is this is a a, a style of house where people have embraced dark. And for the most part, I like it. I think I think they look really cool. As on colonials as well. That's one of my favorite styles of houses, I should go back to say, when people decided going black, and navy, and dark, dark green, and olive green, and gray. They did it on um, colonials, and uh, I I really like it. But I I like it on the mid-mods also.
0: I mean, I think the mid-century modern exterior was something that came as a response to previous iterations, previous architectural styles. And it was a minimalist response. And so in terms of exterior color palettes, it follows that they began as minimalist. But what's interesting is that if you think about the color palettes of interiors of the 50s, and the 50s and the 60s, that those were anything but minimalist. Avocado, ochre, yellow, burnt orange. Yeah. I mean, they came later. They came later, but in, the, but in the 50s, it was, you know, we had pink kitchens and turquoise kitchens. And so there's this sort of dichotomy between the minimalism of the exteriors as a response to previous architectural styles, and then the interiors, which were really, you know, very bright, very playful. Um, and I think maybe as we have kind of rediscovered and embraced mid-mod I think maybe those have been conflated. (laughs) It's almost like the interior and the exterior palettes have been conflated as we deal with mid-mod today. So now, um, instead of these sort of minimalist Mm nature-based exteriors for mid-century modern houses, we do see people using brighter colors that may have more to do with the interior palettes of the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. I don't know, you know, cuz sometimes we see these mid-century modern houses that are kind of wild and crazy colors, which isn't where they started, but it's where they are now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that um you know, there are all different kinds of mid-century modern homes, of course. Um but I, for for style mongers who uh who who really want to get their hands on one, for your really um, designy kind of people, I think it's very common to find, um, not necessarily bright and colorful, but but darker colors on the outside, and then go inside. And what are you going to find? White. It's white. Yeah. It's that whole sort of <laughs> modern, right. modern, modern, you know, elevated, in quotes, style of white, yeah. with colorful, colorful furnishings and stuff like that. Maybe an accent wall he- here and there to give you that punch of color. But it's, you know, Black outside, black with wood outside, and white interiors with color in your in your furnishing. So that's that certainly has evolved over the years because I think I think those um, you know the handful of the of the mid century modern homes in California and other places that were done by um, created by architects that became famous and well known like Eichler, yeah, um, they. They're very sought after, therefore the houses are super expensive. You know, then you get into, you know, an interior designer help design it, and, you know, it becomes... um, The vernacular has almost become, for those kind of, that level of mid-century modern houses, it's the the white inside interior's gone hand-in-hand, I think, with it. And contemporary and modern houses, again... Uh, really have em- embraced dark outside. Um, I think I think that's a a big a big thing. Uh, you know, black, black and gray. Yeah, gray and, uh, gray all, will all not go away.
0: You know, I was. It's interesting. I was yeah. just at a, a conference um, in October in Boston dealing with neuroscience and design. And one of the most uh, striking things I learned was uh, this perspective of one of the architects speaking about the modernist Le Corbusier and Mies van der Rohe, and how that style of architecture was really born out of their uh, PTSD from the war. Wow. And it, yeah, it was really an eye opener for me, that when you look at like some of the Le Corbusier um, architecture, you don't know where the front door is, it looks like a bunker, and that that really was coming out of a need for safety and protection. And, um, and that very minimalist, uh, unembellished uh, kind of exterior presentation, um, which has really flowed right through to today's modern architecture, comes out of mm. trauma I, I thought that was a really interesting perspective. Yeah. Uh, these houses certainly aren't happy and joyful. You know, they're elegant and restrained, um, which is, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I have no conclusions, but I found it fascinating and, and eye-opening, and I will never really look at Le Corbus or Mies van der Rohe or Breuer the same way again. We're going to d- dial it back a little bit, time-wise, and go back to the Victorians, because we skipped over them, we're probably saving the best for last. <laughs> and that would be the Victorian style. Uh, you know, we're all familiar with the Painted Ladies and Polychrome. And I think, um, I don't know, would you say you can do anything on a Victorian? I mean, what do you think about an all-white Victorian? That feels wrong to me. Yeah, it feels wrong. All-black Victorian? I don't like it. Creepy? Yeah. I, Adam's family. Um, <laughs> uh, I
1: I did one because the clients really wanted it. Uh, I think I, I think it I think it is more likely to be um, viewed as creepy. Yeah, yeah, I hate to use that word. I mean, my client was thrilled. She wanted it. We yeah. did an almost black and um, with no contrasting trim, and and it was um, it's somber. Yeah, it's very somber, and I think it does take us back to I don't know old movies or. You know, old movies or TV shows, when the house was haunted, it was always a frickin' Victorian. Yeah, yeah. And so black, is just we do, we just
0: associate with that right away. Um, you know, yeah, and that's that jolt I was talking about earlier, that jolt of driving down the street and seeing something and feeling like, no. Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing to remember also is that, you know, there were sort of subsets of Victorian. There was folk, Gothic revival, Italianate, it, Second Empire— Queen Anne, Queen Anne, Carpenter Gothic, which, you know, sometimes, right. sometimes was white. A, I love that style. I think it's great. But, I mean, yeah, they were richer hues, deeper hues, you know, roses, greens, blues. They, you know, uh, clearer colors, some muted colors. I think it was a lot of different things, and I think it can be a lot of different things. But I'm in agreement with you. Would not do white. Would not do black. Would not do all gray. Uh, just yeah. would not do one color. I wouldn't.
0: I'm actually doing a Victorian that is a couple shades of dark blue and black foundation and a little bit of black accent and bright colored door and it's, it's, it's as dark and black and monochrome as I would ever go. It's what the client really wants. The house is really dark now, so we're lightening it up. Um, but Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be pretty and elegant. I think the blue will make a difference. Okay. Well,
1: I hope you've learned a little bit more about using color for the built world.
0: If you have anything you'd like us to talk about, anything you want to discuss, you can find us at letstalkpaintcolor.com. And we'd like to also ask you to like us, follow us, leave us a little review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I know you can scroll down the page and find a place to give us give us uh, some props happy painting happy colors everybody we'll see you next time all right bye